people have opinions without being fully informed. Trust me, I'm a Canadian here. I don't care if you're a Christian, Messianic, or Hebrew roots. I want to know if your theology is biblical. Maybe I'm right. Of course I'm right. If you're going to cite a source, be responsible. You know, cite your source. Your mom goes to college. Hey, we're just having a conversation. There's only 36 people listening anyway, right? You can Google it. Wow, at what point does history matter? At what point does truth matter? An alien invasion. Is it biblical? Of course it is. Look, there's a way to do scholarship and a way not to do scholarship. you got to cite your source. Who's your source? My best friend, sister's boyfriend's brother's girlfriend heard from this guy who knows his kid is going with the girlfriend. And that about sums it up. What up and shalom. Welcome to the Robin Caleb Show, the show where theology matters, scholarship counts, and theology matters. My name is Caleb Hag, and with me, oh, Rob Van Hop. What up, Rob? How's it going? What up? You know what? Hang on just a sec. You're going to be, uh, give me just a second here. I'm Check. F- there we go. Better. Okay. How's it going, man? It's going well. Yeah, what's, what's the word? The word is... In the beginning was the word. You know, the word is God. yeah, yeah, that's right. I'm going to turn you up here a little bit. All right. I'm thankful for the Bible. I am thankful for the word as well. I'm Absolutely. thankful for all the, all the history of its preservation, translation, commentary. It's a, the, it's uh, a fun the, study, isn't it? The lexic, uh, lexicographical, lexicographic work. All, in other words, the, dictionary building that the scholars have done. And I'm thankful for all the servants of Yeshua that have gone before me for us and worked hard, worked in the field. And now I get a benefit from their labors and Lord willing, maybe push in and, you know, push the, the edge of the field an inch forward in a, in a good direction. The chat room's already saying it's chat. It's a, uh, uh, for those who are live with us, it's uh, it's Rosh Kodesh Elul, number one. Yeah, I just thought I'd mention. Repent. <laughs> so, speaking of which, did you uh, did you get to see the lunar eclipse or solar eclipse? I'm sorry, solar. What eclipse. I did is I, I made a little pinhole. <clears throat> I had my own science experiment going because I had a card stock and I had a small little pinhole. Then I made a hole that was a little bigger. I was experimenting with different. Uh, apertures, and then I'd like hold in the, on another piece of paper, and I kind of had my own little science thing going while I used pinhole camera technology yes. to see the eclipse. It was pretty cool. It really brought a lot. It seems like it brought a lot of people together. So like, I, what I did was I uh, I put sunglasses on, and then I held my phone with the camera pointing this way so I could look at the sun over my shoulder on my screen. Oh. I saw nothing. I mean, it got a little dark here, you know, a, mm-hmm. a little shadowy, but the sun itself, there was, I mean, it, it didn't look like anything happened. I, I had a question, you know, cause there's people thinking that saying that this was a judgment, but you know what? Most of the world did not register that there was even a, most of the world, most of the United States, most of the United States, though, most of the world had no, you know, this is what I looked like during the, uh, <laughs> during the solar eclipse. <laughs> There you go. My Hanukkah glasses. <laughs> I'm glad you didn't stare at the sun with those. Yeah, well, there that you go. That would not be good. Okay, let's uh, let's jump into some things here. First of all, the Rob and Caleb Show is brought to you 
in part by TorahResource.com. Go to Torah Resource. we got all sorts of great articles up there. One that I wrote yesterday titled, Is the Name Jesus Pagan? Um, yeah, so I would encourage everyone to uh, go check out our articles, check out all the resources we have. We have, maybe people don't realize this, but we have uh, full notes on the entire Torah from my father, Tim Hag. Uh, so uh, great resources there, and, and a lot of them are free, including those notes on the on the Torah. Um, and then also you can call our comment line, 253-465-3205. You won't talk to us. You'll talk to a message machine, so you can tell us how much you dislike us or love us or whatever. And write us email, cheggatorahresource.com. That's how we right. put this whole show together. <clears throat> and also, if you don't know already, you should be getting our show notes. I kind of added to our show notes uh, some extra things, including some pictures of me trying to view the solar eclipse and whatnot, which was all just for fun. Um, but uh, you can go to torresource.com, then hover over the little tab that says radio and go down to the Rob and Caleb show. If you want to listen to any archived Rob and Caleb show, any one of the 185 that we have so far, wow. you can do that for free right there on that page. You can also sign up for our show notes on that page. So I'd encourage everyone to go check out that page. I update it every single week so that the latest show is up on that page every week. And uh, yeah, so go check it all out. Okay, well, uh, let, since we're kind of already talking about the solar eclipse, let's uh, let's listen. Um, for those who missed show 184, which was last week, we spent about a half an hour talking about the claims of a Mr. Mark Biltz. Mark, Mark Biltz actually um, is here in Tacoma, Washington. That's where I'm broadcasting from is Tacoma, Washington. And he runs a, uh, a ministry called El Shaddai. El Shaddai is a, uh, I don't know, a, a congregation slash teaching ministry. Um, and Mr. Biltz is the pastor. Uh, for those who aren't aware of who Mr. Biltz is, he kind of had some fame come to him when he wrote a book on the four blood moons. So his area of uh, interest, I would say, is is in astrology and attempting to uh, align biblical prophecy with astrology. Did you say astrology or astronomy? What did I say? I said astronomy. Astrology would be like zodiac, like what's your sign kind of thing. Does he do that too? Well, I think that's what everybody did, right? That oh, the, that, I don't know. I mean, all the all the things that I heard was that the sun was going to be in the uh, feet in between the feet of Venus and or whatever. Oh yeah, okay, yeah. I mean, that's all that's all zodiac, right? Right, and then the alignment of planets and stuff like Which, that. Which, to be honest with you, I mean, this is kind of a side note, but um, you know, I, I, I once again, I, I'm a little confused on why believers are taking the zodiac signs. And saying that God has used the zodiac signs to to show prophecy. Doesn't that seem a little discombobulated to you? I mean, the zodiac signs to me are, are certainly not biblical. They're uh, signs that uh, that the nations have come up with, right? And when I say nations, I mean the non-believing nations as, as a whole, right? I mean, it's not... Well, they go way back. They go to ancient Babylon. Oh, I'm not. Know. I'm not denying that they they do. What I'm saying is, is that. And well, the argument is that in Revelation, what that's describing celestial events, like the Virgin is the is Virgo, right? The Leo is a, is the Lion, and all this kind of stuff. And uh, you know, there's different. But do you think that that's really what Revelation but, is talking about? Well, the other thing is, do you read Revelation as a judgment against Jerusalem? 
before the destruction of the temple? Hmm. Or do you believe that it's relating to like the year 2017 or beyond? This is actually a very interesting point. Because, for instance, if you look at, uh, like, let's just take a for instance. Okay, the, the Mark of the Beast, everyone knows is what? 666, right? But there's a variant there. It could also be 616. My father's done an entire uh, teaching series on on uh, the book of Daniel where he talks about the Mark of the Beast and whatnot. So the Mark of the Beast, numerically, and once again, we don't really put any stock into uh, a lot of numerology, but numerically, if that's what Revelation is doing, Nero, it comes out to Nero, right? Nero Caesar. Nero Caesar, Nero yeah. Kaiser, yeah. So, uh, but it's a, cy- a political cipher. In other words, it's, it's. Don't get me people, wrong. The people in the first century knew what it, you know, the insiders knew what it meant. And it was pointing to something in their day. Now, not I, something for people 2,000 years to try to say, oh, that's Prince Charles. Or that's Bill Gates, because Bill, I guess Bill Gates' whole name in ASCII code is like 666 or Prince Charles. Um, yeah. So, so basically, there seems to be a never ending supply of people peddling the answers to biblical prophecy. I'm not you know, suggesting year after year. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and next year there will be something as well, I'm sure. But uh, I'm not suggesting that Revelation, like Daniel, okay, we, we see. Within Daniel, what my father and what I like to call a telescoping prophecy effect, right? There's a prophecy right here, and then it telescopes down a little ways, and it's for here, and then it telescopes down, and it's probably for the future, right? We see this uh, within uh, some of Daniel's prophecy. Um, So I'm not denying that that certainly could be the case in Revelation. However, the question is, how much of Revelation already happened, and how much of it is uh, yet to come, and how much of it telescopes. And this is one reason that I think that uh, prophecy, I've, I've said it once, I'll say it a million times, I don't believe that prophecy is given to us so that we know what the future is. I believe that prophecy is given to us so that when uh, when everything's happening, and uh, it seems like there's no hope, we can look and say, God said that this would happen, God's in control. Here, here's a concern I have, and maybe you could help me with this. I, I Like, I just pull up 2 Timothy 4, um, and he says here, second, this is Paul writes to Timothy, 2 Timothy 4, starting with verse 3. Time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, mm. but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for this themselves teachers according to their own desires mm-hmm. and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. But you be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of the evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Okay. So right there, and there's, this is just one example. We can look to Second Peter. We can look to uh, other passages, right? Even Paul, when he's leaving Ephesus, he's weeping, says, I know that people, wolves are going to come in to take up disciples after themselves, false teachers. Okay, so I want to know when I'm out there, the Bible tells me there are people that are going to be acting as if they're, believers in Yeshua, but they're actually teaching falsehood. How, how do you how distinguish? Am I gonna be, how do I get dis- discern? How do I know what's myth and what's true? How do I know if someone's following tickling ears? And I had this interaction on the internet the other day with a gal who was promoting a, the teacher who was teaching gematria and Hebrew word pictures and heavenly signs and all this kind of stuff, really stuff that's not in the Bible 
taking it and like really stretching it out. And I said, well, how do I know if this is a false teacher or not? And her response was, oh, you just need to read. You need to study the Bible and you need to read the Mishnah and the Talmud, etc." And I'm like, okay, <laughs> is that really what I need to do? Um, because I've, I've done that and you're acting like you've done that and we're coming to different conclusions as to who, you know, I said, my conclusion is if someone's teaching Hebrew word pictures, gematria, uh, signs in the heavens, blood moons, that I'm not going to spend my time, uh, listening to that person's teachings. So, because to me, it seems like that's tickling ears. So I, I agree with you. View. I agree with you. The uh, interesting thing, and so back to Biltz, because Biltz is the one who, um, and you know, once again, I'm not trying to judge Biltz's heart. I, you know, he seems very sincere in what he's, in what he's preaching in terms of, I think he really believes what he's saying. I really believe, I, I think that he really does believe what he's saying. I don't think that he's thinking to himself, I'm going to say this just to, to make a buck. I, you know, I think, I, I don't think that that's necessarily what, what he's, what his motivation is. Um, with, with that being said, one of the things that really sent warning flags up in my mind about Biltz uh, just this past week is that El Shaddai brought Itzhak Shapira in to speak for two two days at their congregation. And for those who don't know, we've talked about Itzhak Shapira uh, and and his claims that Yeshua is Metatron, uh, and which is clearly false and clearly a false That's gospel. So it's, anachronistic. That's just a wrong. That's yeah. That's wrong in a lot of ways. Anyway, so so the point the the point is is that when uh, someone someone who's in a leadership position over a community brings in somebody else who so clearly is teaching falsehood, um, that's disconcerting. But let's so uh, Mr. Biltz made another video, and I actually I did get uh, I did I did ISO a little bit of this. Um, so that we could have this in our soundboard. And this will take a few seconds for me to load this up just so that I have it here. <clears throat> Pardon me. I'm actually, let me, uh, let me press on my cough button here real quick. Sorry about that guys. Okay. Um, with all that being said, Oh, I see. So what is it where this is a follow-up? Yeah. So, so, um, this is after we made our video. I don't, I, I wouldn't assume that Biltz is, uh, responding to us per se, um, I don't know if he listens to our show or if he would even care to. I doubt, he, yeah, I don't. I would he doubt would, that he, I, you know. I would doubt he he does. But if he does, great. Um, and so this is a video that he made. I've clipped almost the entire thing because there's so many parts of this that are just interesting to me, to say the least. And let's listen to the beginning of it. Hi, Pastor Mark Biltz here, and I want to address uh, the question that uh, some people, or I maybe should say the comments that some people are making about this, hey, this total solar eclipse is not happening on the first of a lull. So, by the way, if you missed last week's show, Mr. Biltz was claiming that the, the solar eclipse was taking place on the first of a lull, and that this was uh, obviously in, in accordance with God's calendar, and therefore this is obviously a sign. And this is kind of what he, he based everything on. Let's keep going. Well, uh, what I want to address is that whole situation uh, to stop all the naysayers. Uh, and so I'd like to begin with the fact that what happened about 2,000 years ago, uh, the Christians told the Jewish people that they could no longer sight the new moon or they would be killed. And so what happened is they decided to go back astronomically and set it 
uh, what it should be. It's called the Hillel calendar. Uh, and so they knew science, they knew the stars, they knew astronomy. And so 2,000 years ago, they were able to create this calendar that hasn't changed in 2,000 years. Okay, so... Um, Can you, you know, say 2,000 years one more time? <laughs> okay, hang on. So, so <laughs> what, Mr., what Mr. Biltz says here, that the Christians told the Jews that if they sighted the new moon, they were going to be killed. Now, So first of all, 2,000 years ago, that's... Yeah, so the Hillel calendar was made in the th in in the third century, uh, CE, and developed over many centuries. And developed yeah. over many centuries. Um, I went back and you know I thought this was a fantastic claim and and uh, and I wanted to see if there's any validity to it. Now I I'm I would be happy for anyone to bring and we have some people in the chat room um, <clears throat> and that that might be able to alert us to this. I looked and to see if there was any historical claim that I could find of the Jewish people telling the Christians that if they sighted the new moon, they'd be killed. I couldn't find it anywhere. Not only that, but from what I found, and I, you know, I asked my father if he knew anything. I did some research myself from what I I'd found. Never, I've never even heard that. I haven't either, but the, that's a myth. The, yeah. So the, so the Hillel calendar was created because of the dispersion. The Jews were in all different places and there was no temple. And, uh, the the sighting of the new moon was not just uh, some any any old person going out and saying, "Oh, look, it's a new moon." That's not how it worked in the in the first century when the temple was was standing. Uh, there was all these debates between uh, Pharisees and Sadducees, and well, not only that, not only that, the Jews were not the only ones with the lunar calendar, and ba the Babylonians were still keeping a lunar calendar. There there was there's a lot of lunar sighting going on. There's a lot of stuff going on in the larger cultural context this is yeah I, but but once 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 hang on but once people were once uh the temple was destroyed and the, the full dispersion happened guess what there wasn't a central authority figure citing the new moon in jerusalem for everyone to be able to to uh to say oh okay now's the new, new new moon so what did they do they attempted to standardize the calendar it had nothing to do with christians persecuting jews at least not that i can that's find just, that's I, I can't even believe it. I, I don't even know what to say. Anyway. So, so I mean, the 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 fact of the matter is, is that Bilt starts his rebuttal uh, on on a bad note to start with, because historically, I I think he's wrong. Um, anyway, let's keep going. So, this is how now he's going to uh, explain to us why. Uh, well, he why he should have cited a source or two. Oh, why would why yeah? Would it, we why know would, this. Why would he we do know that? this because this, this, and this, and we, and in fact, he's saying things that he cannot possibly know. In other words, he's stating things as knowledge that he does not, in fact, know. That's. You know what, though? I mean, okay, let's give let's give Mr. Biltz the benefit of the doubt here. Let's say that he heard it from a teacher, and he's just reciting. But at the same time, we hear a lot of things from various teachers on the internet. That don't seem right. to be true. I don't okay. want to just beat a dead horse here. Uh, yeah. Okay. Let's let's, let's keep go going. So this is going to go into his his discussion of why uh, the the eclipse not happening on Alul One is actually not a big deal. Now, what happens is a couple of things. Number one, the question is when it comes to the new uh, to the new month, uh, is it based on the Hillel or the astronomical calendar, or is it based on someone sighting the new moon? Well, uh, after 2,000 years, uh, I think the, they're only like one day off. So I think that calendar that they created was really pretty good. 
And uh, I suggest we go by uh, what the Jewish people have to say uh, regarding that. Now, and the Jewish people know that they're off about a day uh, and they're looking at addressing the situation uh, about building a new temple, about actually sighting the new moon, and that one day off after 2,000 years uh, will be corrected. The Jewish people are doing this? Well, and that's the other thing is that Judaism as a whole... Oh, golly. There's not one voice. I can't can't find one source that admits that the the calendar is off by a day. And and don't make this Temple Institute people bigger than, you know, (laughs) the advertise. They'd like you to think it's really big and really big movement. Really? Oh, oh, the Temple Institute? Yeah, yeah. So the they, they, they all say this, they're all doing this. That is another gross disservice of uh, teaching people to think incorrectly. You're training people to think wrong. Um, it goes right along with the gematria and the Hebrew word pictures and all this stuff. Is is like that's just like saying the Christians say. You know the Christians say da da da. Is that really helpful? Are we going to live on headlines like this? Or do, no? We we need to have sober minded um, perspectives. So, but, and that but, means okay, we but, have to attend to nuances and differences. I agree with you. Otherwise, language, otherwise we can never communicate. We're never going to genuinely communicate between person and person unless we get into detailed uh, description and and, uh, accurate um, use of of language. You know, we we got – I just got to give a shout out to uh, the other guys at Torah Resource who help us run this show. I I mean in the chat room, uh, we just got – we got stellar people. Thank you very much. The, the point here is that I wanted to give Biltz, you know, I'm trying to actually throw Biltz a bone here. I'm, because what I'm doing is I, after I saw this and, and listened to this, I stopped, I went, and I really looked to try to see if I could find any sources that co- would corroborate what he's saying. And I couldn't. It's not like I'm just trying to, to put uh, Biltz into a corner here and, and put him against the ropes and, and you know, uh, ground and pound him. That's not that's not what I'm trying to do. I'm I'm honestly trying to say where is he, you know, where's the information coming from? There doesn't seem to be any. But check this out. Now, last week we laughed about uh, a article that that we uh, were reading from Breaking Israel News from this uh, from this uh, Kabbalist. Breaking Israel News is like the inquirer of 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 judaism or i i don't know israel i it's it, it's really well, bad but i think christians are involved <clears throat> i i think i agree christian with you yeah yeah i agree with you but people but who are talk about fake news right i mean come on it's very discombobulated uh so in the meantime uh for people that are all upset uh, we don't want to get your panties in a bunch <laughs> ah derek Bolly already uh already gave us this one uh so this is what i uh this is what i i sewed and where did I put it? Oh, I, oh, maybe I didn't. While while uh, while he while we finish this clip, I'll grab the ISO. Uh, we just want you to know that. Look, I'm going to read an article from Breaking Israel News right here. Listen to Breaking Israel News. This is a Jewish website, uh, and this, they, this is an article that we'll post on our website so everyone can link to oy it. Vey, but anyway, oy vey. here's what they say: the a prophecy. It's from um, uh, Yalkut Moshe. Uh, and it says there's a prophecy that states when a solar eclipse occurs exactly as it will next week in the beginning of the month of Elul. Uh, and then it goes on and he says in this article, 
just a few hours after the path of darkness departs the coast of South Carolina and the sun sets, the Hebrew month of Elul begins, ushering in a 40-day period of repentance, corresponding to the period Moses spent on Mount Sinai. So now this is where we get our, our source from Biltz. The source is breaking Israel news in some obscure oh, article. And they're going to share that link and oh, teach course. more people to think wrong and teach them where there's actually not a water supply, but poisonous water. But here's the thing is that... Uh, so, okay, th- what, I, what I realize, I, I have more compassion for for uh, for him now because I see that he doesn't discern that that is bad news. That would exactly. be like me, Caleb, a lady gay birthday, alien twins, <laughs> and I'm going to cite it in the... The National Enquirer or hey, the El- Sun. Elvis was and, just seen, man. Elvis was I'm just seen. Post, and just to just to do a service to you, Caleb, I'm going to post the link to the article on our website. Yes. That's nonsense. Hey, do did not you hear? Reach, did, do did, not accept any. I'm just telling everybody. Don't don't accept anything from that website. Did you see? Did you see the half bat, half human uh, child that was just recently born? The one uh, I'm playing, obviously the Inquirer. Anyway, the uh, the one thing that this last clip did do for us, though, is oh. give us is give us this gem of an ISO. For people that are all upset, uh, we don't want to get your panties in a bunch. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, finally, this is the last. Could that make it to our uh, new uh, intro? <laughs> Will that make the cut? Yeah, yeah, the 2018 <laughs> cut. We'll see. Okay, um, and uh, this is the final one. That, that I feel w- sad. Yeah. I feel li- li- legitimately. Okay, but the, I feel but, sad. Uh, okay, now this is the conclusion that I came to after all of this, and we're going to listen to one final clip. First of all, uh, it doesn't matter what the facts are. We can, you know, those who are ascribing to uh, anything being a sign, whether it's blood moons or whether it's eclipses or whatever, uh, we can make it fit one way or the other. It doesn't matter if it's off uh, from the calendar or not. We can we can fudge it one way or the other. That's one thing I got. And the second thing is, is that these are, somebody said this online, these are perfect signs. And the reason why is because if something bad happens, then guess what? We told you. We told you it was a sign, right? We told you God's judgment was coming. If nothing happens, then this, see, America repented. Just like the the call went out to repent and guess what? Repentance happened and God spared his hand. It's It's a perfect, no matter which way anything goes, you can be right. But the thing is, I, I, since I didn't have a, the glasses myself and I used the pinhole camera thing, I turned on the TV to watch like news and they were, I don't remember what station it was. I don't have cable. So it was one of the main networks, but they were shifting to all these different places on the earth or in America. People were happy. It brought all the, they were talking about, well, here's a Democrat and a Republican and they're both together going, yeah, this is great. And, and, and they're all excited and brought together for this. And I'm like, yeah. Wow. So is this, I don't think this is a sign of God's judgment. Not only that, jokingly, you know, I went and I just pulled the next 10 years of, of solar eclipses and I just put, here's the, a link to future when signs. God's sending, yeah. Signs of God's judgment and warning. Yeah. Here, here are the dates and times. And I'm however, like, no, that's- however, as a Calvinist, as a Calvinist, God does, uh, you know, foreordain these things. Let's listen to the last clip from uh, from uh, Mr. Biltz here. Okay, so first off, 
we had to realize Israel's a day ahead of us. So even though it may happen here on August 21st, you have to remember they're a day ahead of us. It's August 22nd there. So in other words, even though it's a sign for America, since it's a little one in Israel, now it, it's okay. Uh, the other thing is this new moon is not the new moon of the first month of Nisan. It's not the new moon of Av. It's the new moon of Elul. Uh, and so the question is, are we going to go by the astronomical date or the sighting date? Uh, to me, it really doesn't matter. Uh, this is the new moon at the beginning of the month of Elul. Uh, if you want to say it's not exactly the on the first. the only time you can have a solar uh, eclipse. Well, that's fine. Whatever. It's at the beginning of the month of Elul. Okay. Anyway, uh, so basically, as you can see, it doesn't really matter. He'll work it out one way or the other. If it's not really a, you know, if it's not really on the date that he wants it to be on, it, we can fudge it one way or the other. It's he didn't it, address the four hundred, which if it, he talked about the 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 tav meaning four hundred and that the sun's four hundred roughly times the size of the moon and roughly four hundred times away, that there's a significance there, um, which is totally. It's just totally wrong. It, it, again, it's trying to work. It, it's like it's like the that's what we do with the Rob's Gematria time. And no, we're not doing that today. But the point was to show you give me the numbers, I can <clears throat> find and spin a story out of it. Yeah, exactly. Right? I mean, you can do that, and you can sell it. And that's back to the back to the passage from Second Timothy four. At what point? It just doesn't sound like sound doctrine to me. It, to me, I'm like, wow, this sounds like people who are wanting their ears tickled are going to be drawn to this sort of thing. And so back to 2 Timothy 4, how would this particular pastor teach me to be on the lookout for a false teacher? Well, he, since he brought Shapiro in, I don't think he's trying to teach anybody that. And, and so they're turn aside to myths. Well, he quotes this Yahut Moshe with right. a prophecy. So now he quotes an, a, a thing that's not scripture. He doesn't even know where it came from, but it sounds Hebrew, and it's got a prophecy in it about the judgment sign. And then he gives us all this uh, significance. Again, so non-biblical source given a lot of significance. Gematria, back to the Hebrew word picture, that was last week. And the fudging, fudging the things, say it's Israel, but it's the times for Israel, but it's a judgment on America or whatever. To me, it's all the makings of something to avoid. Just nothing to see here, people. It's Go all, and learn what sound doctrine is. That's me, what we need. To me, it's souls, all. It's, yeah. To me, it's all the making of a book that will have the the word mystery in the title somewhere. Yeah. Okay, let's move on. Last week we uh, also – so we talked last week about um, Zach Bauer, new to Torah, and, and uh, some of the comments that he made on on salvation. Actually, on, it was actually on Yeshua's Atonement, right? Um, we were I don't remember what he was we, – we, we, were, we were confused on where – you know, he said uh, Yeshua's death on the cross did not atone for personal salvation or for personal sin. That's what he said, for personal sin. Um, and so I, I, we were hypothesizing a little bit about, okay, was, what was his, what is Zach's outlook on what, um, Yeshua's death did accomplish? Right, right. Because right there, you're, you know, I look at, uh, does he, does he believe Paul should be in scriptures? In scripture? Oh yeah. Yeah. 
Yep. Okay. So anyway, um, I, I because Paul says he died for me. Yeah. So so okay. Uh, no, I'm going to set loved the, me and gave himself for me. So this is, you know. Anyway, I, I'm going to set the stage for you here in a few seconds. Now, um, someone sent us actually somebody who's in the chat room. Thank you, Derek, for sending this to us <clears throat> last night. I I opened this up at I don't know, ten o'clock, ten thirty at night. Um, and this is what I was faced with. It's a YouTube video, um, and it's Lex Myers, who uh, Lex and I actually have talked extensively, especially around Passover time, via email. Nice guy. And I, once again, I'm, I certainly do not want to uh, assume that uh, Mr. Myers is uh, ill-intented in any way, shape, or form. I don't think that at all. I think that, uh, actually, I, I think quite the opposite. I think Lex has a, a heart for the Lord and, and is really uh, trying to uh, seek out truth. I, I do believe that about Lex. And actually, to, to show you kind of what Lex says, Lex was nice enough to send me a, a free copy of his book. Uh, it's called Immortal. And uh, so he sent me a free copy of this book. And before we actually get into the, the clip, I want to read you what Lex says about salvation and Yeshua's uh, work on the cross. Because the clip that I have does not line up, in my opinion, it, it doesn't, I, I can't line the two up very well. Um, and, but I, I, I take what he wrote in his book at face value. So I, I think that Lex actually does have a, a, a handle on, on true salvation. Let's read what Lex has to say in his book, Immortal. Uh, this is on pages 13 and 14. He says, in 1 Corinthians, Paul gives a very detailed description of the gospel. And it sounds quite different from many of the popular sermon formulas of today. Quote, this is from, uh, this is from 1 Corinthians. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you that the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received and in which you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast that, that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. <clears throat> Pardon me. For I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures, and that he was seen by uh, Cephas and so on and so mm -hmm. forth. Right, okay. Right. End quote from the Bible. Continued quote from Myers. If you ask, if you asked most believers hmm. what the gospel is, they would no doubt tell you that Jesus died for our sins. But this is often where many end uh, their message, neglecting to mention his burial and resurrection or the witnesses who verify it. And then over on page um, 15, he says, there can be no doubt that Paul believed the resurrection was of the utmost importance. He claims that without the resurrection, our faith is futile and we are still in our sins. <clears throat> Therefore, salvation is impossible without the resurrection of Yeshua, and anyone who preaches a gospel deprived of this fact is teaching a worthless gospel. Some people mistakenly argue that the death of Yeshua is the most important part of the gospel. However, if Yeshua did not rise from the dead, then we have no gospel. It is not good news that our Messiah died. The good news is that Yeshua conquered death. If he did not rise from the dead, then he was nothing more than a martyr. The resurrection changes everything. So I agree with uh, Lex on this, and and actually it sounds like he's got a very good handle on well, it more even more than that, unless he ascended and applied his blood and continually and continually and, and continually yeah. intercedes. So yeah. um, the point of the resurrection it, it gets a lot of uh, uh, what do you call it highlight or or 
discussion is because the significance of victory over death. In other words, there was no sin in Yeshua. Death could not hold him. So the, the claim of the resurrection is in and of itself a victory over sin and death. Yes. Now, but if Yeshua would not have, have if he would not have fulfilled his high priestly office and continue to intercede, he would basically live forever by himself. Right? I mean, yes. Um, the idea of, of him actually um, fulfilling the role of his high priestly duty in bringing atonement for what, you know, what we call the elect, then it, without that, he, he still would have merited eternal life for himself without being without sin. So, but yeah, these are all important stages. And of course, if someone just says it's all about the resurrection, you know, it's not all about any one thing. It's all about Yeshua, but there's a, a, a whole history and story and ongoing ministry and intercession that is absolutely crucial to to those who are new creations in him and are part of his his body so uh, last week Miguel said the same thing in the in the chat room and, and I'll read uh, one of his comments here he says Yeshua came to restore Israel and claim the throne of David so that the nations could be drawn to him the elect is Israel so I think what Miguel is trying to say is that uh, Yeshua died for Israel as a whole, as a nation, that it's a, a national salvation, which that's fine. I would somewhat agree with that. However, uh, the, the point is, is that individual salvation, individual personal covenant relationship with God through the new covenant is done because of the washing clean of individual sin. The, restore, the restoration, the way that you become part of Israel is that you are washed clean individually by the blood of the Messiah and brought into the fold of Israel. His, his death was not simply to, to restore a nation. His death was individual covenant uh, cleansing of sin. So let's move now to what Mr. Myers says. Now, remind, now I'm going to set the stage for you. He's on a Q&A panel. To his right, he's got Zach Bauer. To his left, he's got Rob Skiba. And uh, then Steve Mutria. Mutria? I'm sorry for butchering your last name, Steve, if you ever see this. Oh, what, where do these guys, do these guys all get together and do, and like have big... I guess so. It's, it's like the Hebrew Roots Conference of, of, of the year, I guess. I don't know. Um, but the fact that no one uh, cried foul on this... Uh, is especially on the board. I mean, if I would have been sitting next to next to Lex at this point, I would have said, whoa, 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 whoa. And let's listen why. I, I think Paul talks about it in Romans 7 really well, too. Yeah. So he talks about how, you know, he compares our relationship with marriage, right? And, and so he makes this con connection. He says, it, I'm talking to those who understand the law because this is important. According to the law, if you become divorced and your wife goes away and marries another, you can never bring her back, right? Deuteronomy 24, right? That's true. And so according to the Torah, Israel, whom God divorced, went off and played the harlot with other gods and made herself unworthy, unable to ever return to her former husband. So what did he do? The only way to end that marriage covenant was for one of them to die. 
And so what did he do? He sacrificed himself so that he could bring her back. Right? It's like this ultimate love story that yeah, I love her so much, I'm willing to die for her. And then what happened? He resurrected as a new man so that he can come into a new covenant and bring back his beloved. Okay, there's so much wrong with this. This There's That's, so I, much wrong. Before. I've heard that before in Romans 7. That's not... That's not the point of why he's talking about, he's only using the, Paul only uses the marriage point to talk about sin, to show that, that, that we were held in bondage to sin, that, that by the wages of sin is death, and that those who have sinned are enslaved, are enslaved to sin. Just like Yeshua said, you know, whoever sins is a slave, a servant of sin. That we were in bondage, unable to uh, to do any good in God's eyes. Can I address something real quick? I'm sorry, oh, sure. I, I got to. Uh, you know, in the in the chat room, Miguel says you can't dismiss the land grant promise made with Israel. I don't dismiss that. There's temporal blessings and there's eternal blessings, and the and the the uh, the land grant is part of the temporal blessing, which is part of physical Israel. Whether or not you are part of the new covenant or not, the land grant still applies to you. He says, I believe the word should be guilt, not sin. The difference between the asham and the chetah, he's talking about uh, offerings here. Wrong. Every single sacrifice made in the uh, temple, whether it's a guilt offering, whether it's a sin offering, whether it's a Yom Kippur offering, whether it's the ashes of the red heifer, all point to the Messiah. And this is this means this is exactly how we know that Yeshua's uh, death atoned for personal sin. We look at the temple. You can't you can't dismiss one uh, one sacrifice from another when it comes to the the picture of what the Messiah would do. The reason that we have sacrifices at all is because of the the work that the Messiah did. It's all a picture. The, these are all just pictures of the of the eternal truth and promise. You can't say, oh, well, he, his death was representative of a guilt offering, not a sin offering. Wrong. Every offering that we have in the temple is representative of the Messiah Yeshua, including sin offerings. That's all there is to it. Anyway, uh, let's get back to Lex Myers here. I'm, I'm sorry for interrupting you. The, the, uh, there's so much wrong with this. First of all, Lex is right. In, in the Torah, it says that if a man divorces his wife and the wife what? marries another. Where did Israel marry another? She didn't. She went and played the harlot. Right? She never went and married another. The Torah never says that a man, if a man divorces his wife and she, uh, she plays the harlot, he can't take her back. That's not what it says. It says that if she marries another. Well, and now we got to address the Romans 7. You have to understand, verse 4, so my brothers and sisters, which little brothers... I'm reading the Net Bible. You died to the Torah through the body of Messiah so that you could be joined to another, one who was raised from the dead, to bear fruit unto God. You died to the Torah. What that means is, is that you owed the debt because of your sin. You owed uh, more than your life because you probably sinned uh, in many ways that were worthy of the death penalty. And so you had nothing but the condemnation of the wrath of God and, and wrath of God on you. 
every sin warrants the death penalty when it comes in, to separation Messiah, from God. Yeah. In Messiah, you, you, you died, and through his grace, you participate in his resurrection life. Yes. By his payment, by his death, you are, and that's why this chapter 7 of Romans follows on chapter 6, which is talking about uh, baptism. You're baptized into his death, and you are reckoned as if your life now is his resurrection life in you. Galatians 2. It's not I that live, but Messiah who lives in me. And the life I live now, I do not live by the flesh, but by the life of the, son of, of the risen Son of God, who died for me and gave himself for me, right? Who loved me and gave himself for me, etc. That's a paraphrase, end of Romans 2. That's what Paul's point is here in Romans 7. And he's saying that that is that is what it was like. And and he's using the marriage just as one example of how a woman um, is under the law of her husband, right? And and so that, but people have taken that and they they totally misapply it, which I believe the teacher we just heard is beautiful of this love story that he's painting. Um, it doesn't actually. It, I don't. It doesn't apply. Sound, it's not sound doctrine. Not only opinion. okay. So we'll get to we'll get to Jeremiah uh, three, which is where he's getting this uh, this writ of divorce in a few seconds. But notice the end of this clip again, real quick. Uh, and this is another issue that I think is has not been thought out in what is being said here. Listen to this. Right. It's like this ultimate love story that yeah, I love her so much. I am willing to die for her. And then what happened? He resurrected as a new man so that he can come into a new covenant and bring back his beloved. Okay, so what I'm, maybe I'm misreading this, maybe I'm mishearing this, but what it sounds like to me is that the new covenant didn't come into effect until after his death. Once again, this, this doesn't, this, I, I, I can't, yeah, this, this does not uh, set well. It sounds like after his death, now you can come into the new covenant. Now Israel can come into the new covenant. Which begs the question, which we've made many, many times, is what you know? What was Abraham a part of? The gospel in the Tanakh and in the apostolic scriptures is the same. In your seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. This is the gospel. Right? So let's move now to uh, Jeremiah. This is where uh, Mr. Myers is getting the uh, certificate of divorce, which he's talking about. And let's read it. This is uh, Jeremiah 3, 6 through 10. He says, The Lord, then the Lord said to me in the days of Josiah the king, Have you seen what faithless Israel did? She went up on every high hill and under every green tree, and she was a harlot there. I thought, after she has done all these things, she will return to me. But she did not return, and her treacherous sister Judah saw it. And I saw that for all the adultery, all adulteries of faithless Israel, I had sent her away and given her a writ of divorce. Uh, a certificate of divorce. Yet her treacherous sister Judah did not fear, but she went and was a harlot also. Because of the lightness of her harlotry, she polluted the land and committed adultery with stones and trees. Yet in spite of all this, her treacherous sister Judah did not return to me with all her heart, but rather in deception declares the Lord. So we see what? We see the we see the uh that the Lord gives this right of divorce. What does that even mean? What is a what is a certificate certificate of divorce? He sends her away, right? And God said that this would happen. Right? God said that if you if you don't keep my commandments, I'm gonna disperse you. I'm gonna send you away. 
Let's read that. Let's go to Deuteronomy 4. In Deuteronomy 4, 25 through 31, now keep, keep in mind that Deuteronomy 4, all the way up until this point, continues to talk about the renewal covenant, right? He, he mentions the first covenant, the 10 words, so on and so forth. He talks about, if you don't keep my commandments, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to disperse you. But if you keep my commandments, I'll, you know, I'll bring you into land, all these kind of things. So in Deuteronomy 4, 25 through 31, he says, when you, fa when you father chil children and children's children and have grown old in the land, if you act corruptly by making a carved image in the form of anything and by doing what is evil in the sight of the Lord, your God, so as to provoke him to anger, which is what we have the, you know, this is what God says happened in Jeremiah 3, that they went after other gods. He says, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that you will soon utterly perish from the land that you are going over uh, the Jordan to possess. You will not live long in it, but will utterly destroy. And the Lord will scatter you among the peoples, and you will be left few in number among the nations where the Lord will drive you. And there you will serve gods of wood and stone, the work of human hands that neither see nor hear nor eat nor smell. But from there you will seek the Lord your God, and you will find him. If you search after him with all your heart and with all your soul, when you are in tribulation and all these things come upon you in the latter days, you will return to the Lord your God and obey his voice. For the Lord your God is merciful, is a merciful God. He will not leave you or destroy you or forget the covenant with your fathers that he swore to them. So I don't understand. Is, does the covenant of divorce mean that he's not bringing them back? Because Deuteronomy certainly seems to say that once he disperses them, he's going to bring them back. And guess what? If we go back to Jeremiah and start up where we left off, he says the exact same thing. He doesn't say that he has to, that, that Israel can never come back because uh, somebody would have to die. No. He says, and the Lord said to me, faithless Israel has proved herself more righteous than treacherous Judah. Go and proclaim these words toward the north and say, return faith, faithless Israel, declares the Lord. I will not look upon you in anger for I am gracious, declares the Lord. I will not be angry forever. Only acknowledge your iniquity that you have transgressed against the Lord your God and have scattered your favors to the strangers under every green tree. And you have not obeyed my voice, declares the Lord. Return, O faithless sons, declare the Lord, for I am a master to you. I am a master to you, and I will take you, one from a city and two from a family, and I will bring you to Zion. The idea that, that Christ had to come and die on the cross because, because uh, the Lord sent her away and gave her a writ of divorce, and she went and mar what married to other gods? And this is why Christ had to die to bring Israel back into covenant relationship. I don't buy it. This is then, not so. Does does so? Yeshua did not die for anybody of the house of Judah. Is that kind of where that leads? Say that again. Did would would these people teaching this teach that Yeshua did not die for anybody who's part of Judah, because they never were divorced? Actually, in the, uh, Miguel in the chat room says he couldn't divorce Judah because of the promise of the Messiah. So did Yeshua's blood atone for anybody in the house of Judah? Or was that not necessary? Yeah, because, only... because they didn't divorce him. Yeah, because he didn't words, divorce if, if Judah. If the guy who we heard about Romans 7 yeah. saying that he died because his wife, uh, that was the only way to reconcile Great with point. his, his lied, lost wife, if Judah was never divorced, 
so he's saying maybe that uh, maybe he has a way to explain that. I it's boy, I doesn't sound like sound doctrine in my view. I once again this comes back to the idea mm-hmm. of personal salvation, and I know that we have. Um, I uh, wait, hang on. Uh, he couldn't afford. Miguel says yes. I don't know. I don't know what that means. Yes, he didn't have to die for Judah. <clears throat> We'll wait for the delay to catch up, and maybe uh, Miguel will tell us what what he means by yes. Yes, he didn't have to die for Judah. Yes, he did have to die for Judah. And once again, now we're coming into now we're coming into uh, two house theology that somehow uh, the the split of Israel and Judah one is greater than the other, or that they're not meant to be one. Um, once again, I have to go back to <clears throat> my, my, uh, my initial uh, thought of the new covenant. You're not part of the new covenant. You're not part of Israel unless you are washed clean by the blood of the Messiah. This is what brings you into the new covenant personally, individually, that your sin has been dealt with by the Messiah Yeshua. Now you are a part of his family. Now you're a part of his people. That is Israel. His death on the cross was to atone for personal sin of each individual person. Covenant relationship in the new covenant with each individual person who is part of that. Right. Because we know that he intercedes for his people. He, he told Simon Peter, I have prayed for you. Right. Yeshua intercedes for individual people. He dies for individual people. We have it, his words to Shimon Kepha. We have his, uh, Paul in Galatians of number of places. He loved me and, and gave himself for me. Personal, personal salvation, personal redemption, particular atonement. Paul didn't say, I, uh, he died for this, for the right, for me, for the option for my salvation, that if I chose it, it was good. But if I didn't, that it was fine. Um, or, uh, he didn't tell Simon Peter, I prayed generally that, uh, you know, I prayed for you. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) He says he ever lives to make intercession for the saints. Who's he praying for? Just some vague, group of people. No, he's praying for individual people. That's why King David knew this in Psalm 23. Adonai ro'i lo'echzar. The Lord is my shepherd. I will not lack. He causes me to lie down. He leads me beside still waters. Ata imadi gam ki elek almavit lo ki ata imadi. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear evil because Ata, you are with me. It's not you are with us. True, Emmanuel means God with us, but that's a group of people proclaiming what is true for Caleb. It's true for you. It's true for me. He died for me. He died for you. He died for us, but not us, meaning every, you know, person ever. I want to make this clear also. You know, I, I brought up Zach Bauer. I'm not suggesting that this is what Bauer believes because I don't know what he believes. 
See, and uh, this is interesting. You know, okay, uh, wait, wait a minute. We asked, okay. we asked, hang on, we asked Miguel in the in the chat room if he would answer for us whether or not Yeshua had to die for uh, for Judah or not. He will not answer the question. I've asked him now three times. I continue to ask him, "Will you answer the question? Answer the question? Answer the question?" He will not answer the question. He instead he responds with, he's sidestepping the question. Please explain Matthew nine twelve through thirteen. Paul explains it in Romans seven one through four. Yeshua answers that in the prodigal son. No, I want to talk about prodigal son. Okay, that's fine. But once again, Miguel, answer the question: Did Yeshua have to die for Judah? Is the answer yes? He had to die for Judah. Or is it no? He did not have how to die did, for how Judah. Make the whole statement. So we can <clears throat> yeah, make the theory, statement. Tell us what do you Luke think? 15, the prodigal son. We have to understand Luke fifteen. We see three parables back to back. Tax collectors and sinners were coming to hear Yeshua, but the Pharisees and scribes grumbled. He receives sinners and eats with them. That's the context for the gold coin for the lost sheep. Or the lost sheep's the first one. The gold coin and then the prodigal son. The tax collectors and the sinners are the ones that are like the prodigal son. He's telling the Pharisees and scribes this because they're like the older brother. And he's saying, you're, you're not even realizing that, that the salvation of one tax collector and one, quote, sinner is worthy of great joy because the angels even in heaven rejoice. What people do, like Miguel is doing, taking this parable out of the context it's only here in Luke 15 and now they make it they match it with Romans 7 the first three verses of Romans 7 and this idea of divorce and the two houses and they totally twist the scripture it and and oh it's really frustrating the point is not that Yeshua is saying that the tax collectors and sinners that are coming to hear him are the lost tribes of Israel. Okay, hang on just a sec. Now we have the answer from Miguel, and this answers all the questions. He says, I don't believe he had to die for those who were righteous, like Zacharias and his wife Elizabeth, who were both righteous. Okay, okay. Oh, he mentioned this last week, and we didn't get a chance to talk about it. Miguel, I'm glad you brought that back up again. This is a go-to, because people read in Luke 1, it says that they were they were blameless and righteous and blameless in all the commandments of the Lord. That doesn't mean they were without sin. Because <laughs> the scripture says there's no not one. And they were righteous. born of a man. They had Adam's sin. The point is, they were obedient to God's commandments. And you know what? And it's by God's grace. I, I rejoice in the scripture that tells us about Zechariah and Elizabeth, that Luke also, this is Luke, who tells us why? Because who had the Holy Spirit from the womb? was their offspring, John the Baptist. This is very, very important. But just because Luke testifies that Zechariah and his wife, Elisheva, were, were uh, blameless and kept the commandments of the Lord, doesn't mean that they did not need the salvation of Yeshua. The, the other question is, okay. They, they needed, they longed, they just like uh, Simon in the temple, they longed for the redemption of their people. He says, but they were found righteous in God's eyes. They never said so, they didn't sin. So, okay, so so he's saying that, that well, let me see. So the, 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 this they comes, wait, wait, hang to, on, hang on. This, it, this still begs the question. So then are we saying that everyone who's part of Judah 
is the, is now what's uh, being said that everyone who's part of Judah is righteous in God's eyes? Yeah, he says, I don't believe he did not have to die for those who were righteous. That's sorry, Miguel, you are uh, mistaken. And that is that <laughs> yeah. is um, that I would just encourage you to take some time and chew on that. But I don't know where you learned that or if that's uh, a doctrine that you are, quote, kind of discovering or teaching from yourself. Um, but, uh, he, Yeshua died to make people righteous because there were no righteous, no, not one. So, uh, there is no righteousness apart from Yeshua. Um, well, essentially what it is is works-based salvation. The, the, the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees do not, uh, do not get, uh, any kind of merit towards eternal life. Actually, this is Yeshua a per- said, unless unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will not even enter the kingdom of heaven. So where do you get that righteousness? This, where do you get the righteousness that exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees? You only get it through new life by participating in Yeshua, by being found in Him. And if and if he didn't die for you, then you have no part in him. Here's the thing. Just like when he washed Peter's feet. He says, if you don't let me, if, if I don't touch your life in the, according to my terms, you have no part in me. The, I mean, honestly, what we see here is uh, the fact that uh, a lot of people, and I don't think it's just Miguel, but a lot of people in the Hebrew roots and messianic movements do not understand soteriology. They don't understand salvation. They don't get the the sacrifice that Yeshua made. And no offense, uh, you know. Once again, I'm I'm conf- I'm conflicted between what Lex, Lex wrote and what he said in the clip. If if what he said in the clip is what is how he sees Yeshua's death on the cross, why Yeshua had to die on the cross, then once again, it's no wonder people are confused about salvation because they're not. Get, it, it's certainly not. It's certainly not what the scriptures are, are saying. And if and if Zach Bauer is teaching people that uh, that Yeshua didn't buy, die for your personal sin, once again, it's no wonder that we have uh, we we have uh, confusion among people in the in this movement. They don't even get basic salvation, basic soteriology. It's very sad, uh, Miguel. I'm not trying to beat you up here. You know, I I'm, I pray that uh, you know you can. You can come to an understanding of what Yeshua's death really did. Um, it's that—that that is just, uh, oh man, it's honestly, it's more sad than anything. It's very sad to me that uh, that people still uh, that that are zealous for the Lord don't understand the basis, the basic structure of what the Messiah did on the cross for them let alone the beauty of Luke one. And it's absolutely beautiful. It is absolutely true is the work of the Ruach HaKodesh through a chosen line of people to prepare the way for Yeshua. And he did it by, by sustaining Zechariah into his old age and his wife, another miracle, uh, child being born. Although, uh, John the Baptist was not born of a virgin. She was still past menopause right? Um, why? Because God was preparing a way for their son who would not be, though he was a rightful son of Aaron to serve as a Cohen, 
his priesthood was out in the wilderness calling Israel to repent. And Yeshua says there's none greater born among women than John the Baptist. This is a work of the, of the Holy Spirit, and this is a very special, special case. Um, all, why does Luke tell us all this? Because he's setting up the, the miraculous situation of then Mary and Elizabeth both being pregnant at the same time. And uh, the beautiful story that only Luke shares, because no, none of the other Gospels tell us. But it's all about the background between, between John, be, behind John the Baptist ministry and then paving the way for Yeshua. And so, so we don't read, in other words, we, it's inappropriate to read Luke 1 and say, oh, Zechariah and Elizabeth, oh, there's righteous, therefore they're righteous, therefore God didn't have to, or Yeshua didn't have to die for them because they were righteous. That's, that's a wrong conclusion. That's a wrong conclusion. It sounds like Miguel might have that or a very similar conclusion. Um, if you have, apart from Yeshua dying for you, you have no inheritance in eternal life. You have no eternal life. There is no eternal life. Uh, no one comes to the Father but by me, he says. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I am the resurrection and the life. There's, um, that's just the way it is. Uh, and if you reject those points I'm making, which are just Jewish words, then you have other problems of like what is the history of God's people in the world, the notion of a canon of scripture that we build on, um, and so on and so forth. So, um, I mean, yeah, we, we, I, I think we start, we we're starting to see this more and more within the, uh, messianic circles, uh, as well because of works by, uh, Kinzer and, and, uh, and other, other folks like that, um, who are essentially trying to, uh, preach the same kind of thing. Um, anyway. Okay. Uh, and, and any of the prophets of Judah, to Jerusalem preaching repentance that Miguel brings up, Yeshua sent those prophets. He says, I've sent you prophets and preachers. So um, let's remember that uh, next week we're taking the week off. Why? Because we will be where? Family camp. We are very excited to see everybody at family camp. Rob is going to be flying over on Sunday. Go for it. Go for it. Go for it. Miguel quotes Matthew 9. Well, Yeshua said, those who, uh, those who are well have no need of physician, but those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. The point is this. Are you righteous in your own eyes? That's the whole problem. That's like the, in, in, Matt, or in, in uh, John 9. He says, you say, we see, therefore your sin remains. Those people who say, oh, I'm righteous. I don't need Yeshua. They've, they're walking around with a plank in their eye or at least a speck. David they're is not a, righteous. They're can, righteous. They're assessing their own righteousness. When you see Yeshua in the flesh, a person sees Yeshua. There's one of two ways. You're either you're either going to see his purity and his righteousness. And you're going to want to leave everything and follow him, or you're going to debate him a little bit, compare him with other rabbis you've heard, and then probably hedge your bets. Hey, yeah, I'm going to stick with the rabbi I already have. Thank you very much. We see. I'm already righteous. We see this in King David, right? King David was was a man after God's own heart. But then what happens? He has the sin of Bathsheba and and, and God sends a prophet to him. The point is this, Yeshua in Matthew 9, 12 through 13, Yeshua is putting it on his audience to self-assess. 
You tell me or not. Are you righteous already in your own eyes? Are you healthy? If you're healthy, and then he says, if you're healthy, you have no need of physician. And what, what that does to the person who thinks they're righteous in their own eyes, they're going to go, oh, I don't need Yeshua. So, Miguel, you're, misre- you're, you're missing the subtleness of Yeshua, which parallels, like we said, in John 9. You say, we see, therefore your sin remains. In other words, there's, the fact that they say, we don't need you, the fact they say, they say we see, the yes. fact they say, we don't need a physician, is their own admission. That's, those are words born of their own sinfulness, to say that they are righteous in their own eyes not in God's eyes. There's no way any human can look at themselves from and see themselves in God's eyes unless it's by the Ruach HaKodesh. Yeah, and, and, and at that and, point, they, 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 can, they fall on their face and they beg for the mercy of God because they see the depth of their sin. And this is just like Isaiah in chapter 6. Isaiah is a prophet and he sees the temple, and what? And what is? Or he sees the heavens open, right? He sees the seraphim, kadosh, 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 melo kol haaretz, kvodo. The whole earth is full of his glory. And what does he do? Woe is me! He doesn't say, "Oh, look, I'm righteous. I must be righteous because I'm given this vision." No, he says, "Oi li, woe is me! I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips." He doesn't celebrate righteousness. He goes, I'm undone. I'm a dead man. Well, that's what that's what confrontation with the holiness of God, confrontation with the purity and righteousness of Yeshua by the Holy Spirit will put you on your face in worship and in and in acknowledgement that you observe you deserve nothing but death and condemnation except by the grace of Yeshua's resurrected life shared with you. By his choice, not by you. And if any other human response, oh, I'm righteous, thank you already. I've already, it's, it's, like, the, it's like the Holy Grail skit we play, where, the, where the, the guy comes up, we're off to the Holy Grail, and he's like, we've already got one. It's quite nice. You know, it's not the case. I'll stop. No, 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 that's good. You're good. Actually, I was going to say that uh, Miguel brings up uh, Romans 9, and you have to walk by the Spirit. What is the Spirit? What is the spirit? If the spirit, the spirit is the spirit of the Messiah Yeshua, which goes you back to which you can't go, walk in obedience. Romans eight, he says, by the spirit of life which is in Messiah Yeshua, that's his resurrection life. That's the the Torah of the spirit of life in Yeshua means that the righteous person, death cannot hold him. Well, guess what? In history, we only have one person who death could not hold, and that's Yeshua. And then, and and those like I, uh, Elijah or Moshe, whose death are mysterious, mysterious, are in proximity to Yeshua, as we know from the Transfiguration. They're focused on him. It's not Moses sitting there and Yeshua's to his side, and and you know, it's Yeshua's the one who's turning to light in front of them. Yeah, unless unless you are part of Yeshua and his resurrection life, you have no eternal life. You have no life. And any life, any holiness, any blamelessness that Zechariah and Elizabeth enjoyed and were blessed by is through proximity to Yeshua and full faith in what God is doing. And just like Abraham, the same before Abraham was, I am. am. Abraham longed to see my day and he saw it and he rejoiced. Why? 
just like Paul says in Galatians, the gospel was preached to Abraham. In you, all the nations of the world will be blessed. This is so, so important. Their salvation, go to Hebrews 11, all the way down, the history of faith is proximity to to Yeshua. Yeshua. Even though it says from afar off, but they confessed it, even though they saw it from afar off. It says the same thing, the spirit of Messiah that was in them, it says in one of the epistles of Peter, the spirit of Messiah in them, giving them insight. Uh, John talks about uh, uh, Isaiah saying that when he beheld his glory, so this is 700 years before that Isaiah saw the glory of Yeshua. David, Yeshua says, Psalm 110, the Lord said unto my Lord, how does he call him his son? How can David call him Lord if he's his son? Yeshua takes us right to those points. There is no salvation apart from Yeshua. There's no eternal life apart from participation in his resurrection life. That goes for Abraham, goes for uh, you know Isaiah, goes for King David, it goes for Zachariah and Elizabeth. It's been a long time since I've been able to play this, but I think it is warranted, ladies and gentlemen, the Hoff just went off. I like the, I like the, I like the, sounds like a concert or something. All right. So, uh, good discussion. Thank you, Miguel, for, uh, for, uh, standing, uh, your ground, even though we think it's, uh, off. Uh, I, by the way, uh, Miguel asked if he could, uh, if he could go back and forth in email about this, which I instantly posted Rob's, uh, email address since he was the one going off at the time. Um, we will be taking next week off. And why will we be doing that? Because we will be at family camp, uh, fellowshipping with brothers and sisters in the Lord. We are very excited to see everyone. And if you're listening to this before camp, then, uh, man, safe travels. We're praying for you. We're praying for camp. We think it's going to be a good time. Rob is flying over on Sunday morning. Um, it's just going to be a good time all around. And uh, Rob's been pre- uh, getting prepared for his lectures that he'll be given. We always have a blessed time around the fire and, and just uh, it's it's always fun. So although we will not have a show next week, uh, we do uh, expect to have some teachings from that uh, from camp that will come out probably uh, in in um, midwinter, probably around December, and those will be uh, great for people to be able to to watch and and uh, interact with as well. So uh, yeah, be praying for us while we're at camp and while we take a week off. I'll be trying to post some videos, uh, some extra videos while we're gone. Um, if you have questions about uh, anything that we discussed today, I would highly encourage you to give us a call two five three four six five thirty two zero five. Oops, sorry, wrong one. Uh, wrong one. Uh, and uh, leave us a message. You can Don't also get your panties in a bunch. I, I know. Oh, wait. Hang on. I got it. I got it right here. For people that are all upset, uh, we don't want to get your panties in a bunch. Um, and then you can also uh, send us an email. That's our, that is a good. Uh, That's a good clip. Seahagatorresource.com. It's seahagatorresource.com. Miguel, I encourage you to uh, get a hold of Rob with the email that I posted there. And if anybody else wants to as well, you can. It's R Vanhoff at torresource.com. That's R Vanhoff at torresource.com. Uh, you know. Uh, I just encourage everyone to take another look at, at your understanding of salvation. If, if you think, well, yeah, uh, we hope that this talk of salvation has done one thing. That is to glorify our great God and Savior, Yeshua, the Messiah. <laughs>